Hello and welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life podcast. My name is Jim Duke and I'm the pastor of Olmsted Baptist Church in Olmsted, Kentucky. I'm thankful you are listening to this podcast and pray it will be a blessing and help to you. And our subject for today is found over in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. This is a favorite passage of mine and have been a blessing to me once the uh, I discovered it, the Lord showed it to me, and the uh, the the wonderful things that are contained therein, instruction for the child of God and, and our pursuits. There's one aspect here and one piece of this that we want to focus on this morning. And so if you want to follow along, Second Peter chapter 1, we'll just read verses 1 through 4 here. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are giving, given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here, in, in this passage, um, Peter is writing, and, and our Lord is, is giving us his word through our brother. <clears throat> and uh, he says, Uh, to those that have obtained like precious faith. Peter refers to it that way. And indeed, the Lord Jesus is precious unto us. A faith in him is precious unto us. It's the greatest thing uh, that we have is salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. He says here that this this, uh, obtaining of this precious faith is through the righteousness of God and the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is that is indeed the way it has been done. It is the Lord's work in us, and through His righteousness, uh, through all the attributes of the Lord uh, on display, the Lord Jesus, uh, God Almighty, has brought salvation unto us. He desires grace and peace to be multiplied unto us and to those that He writes to. And how? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Uh, if if you and I, if we ever think that we've gotten to the end of learning about God, and, and there's a complacency that can come about with us all, we are all subject to the temptation of that, that we know what we know and all we need to know about God, that we know all we know and need to know about our Lord Jesus. But that is not true. There is a continual life learning about our Lord our Lord Jesus, our Father, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit. And he tells us here that knowing and learning and knowledge, learning knowledge about him through the Word of God, grace and peace uh, can be multiplied unto us. And understand, without that knowledge, without that learning from the Scripture about our Lord and our Savior, Uh, grace and peace will not be multiplied unto us. And when we think about multiplication, we're not thinking about adding. Uh, Take a look at the word that is used there, multiply. If we talk about adding uh, 5 plus 5, that is 10. But if we talk about multiplying uh, 5 times 5, that's 25. 
And so understand it's a multiplication that, that is gained by us through the knowledge of God and, our, and, and our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on, he goes on to say here in verse 3, According as his divine power, his divine power, which he is divine, he is impeccable, meaning he is sinless in every wit, every, every element of his being is without sin. He is divine, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and all things that pertain unto godliness. And that's certainly a subject that could be taken a look, in, uh, taken a look at and delved into. He has given us all things that pertain to life. And so we have them. We have them given to us. We have them available to us. And this, of course, we're going to touch on eternal life and everlasting life that he's given to us, salvation of the soul. But then there is life of living in this flesh. And while this trichotomy is here together upon the earth, our body, our soul, and our spirit, uh, that is the Lord's that he is and dwells us, he, he's given us all things that pertain unto spiritual life and unto physical life. And we need to avail ourselves to them as we walk on this earth. He's given us all things that pertain unto godliness. We have available to us all that we need for godliness as we live, again, in this trichotomy, our body, soul, and spirit being here together on this earth until the day of the passing of our flesh and then our spirit, our soul will return unto God we have we have everything and we need to we have it eternally in our salvation but we have it here at hand and available to us uh, as we live this physical life and how's he say as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him and so we come back to learning about him learning about him the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 11, learn of me. And we need to be a student of our Lord. We need to be a student of the particulars of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Gospels are a great place uh, that the child of God, and, it's, and I find it interesting that it, seemingly that the uh, Gospels, after in, in the culture, maybe the culture of our churches, that the Gospels become passe, and, uh, and, and then the epistles to the churches become everything. Well, understand, both have their place. For the individual, the Gospels need to be something that we know about and, and continually look at and study about the Gospels, the Gospel, the fulfilling of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. We need to learn of Him and as He walked here when He became a man. We need the things that pertain to the churches too because we have a great responsibility as His churches to be the pillars and ground of the truth, to be the heralders of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know about the Gospel so that we may do so and that we we stand in him and, and, uh, and, and claim the promise that his churches will be here uh, until the end of the age. And so we, our context as a members of Olmsted Baptist Church, uh, we need to know those things too, but neither trump the other. They are all in there. And so his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us 
to glory and virtue. He's called us to glory. His glory, uh, he will he will has bestowed and will bestow upon us. He's called us unto that. He's called us to to glorify him uh, as we live. And then virtue, uh, he's called us unto virtue, which is valor, manliness, maturity in the Lord, and courage in him. Verse number four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, this, for this podcast, what we want to focus upon are these great, these exceeding great and precious promises. Look here. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by these promises, ye might be partakers. So, this is the, the ifs that are in the scripture. There's wrangling and, and question about the ifs in the scripture. The ifs in the scripture, uh, scripture apply to us living life. We have to live life. We got up this morning, and what will we do? Will we follow and look to our Lord? Will we follow and look to ourselves and the pleasure of this flesh and the and the way of the world? Uh, we we have decisions before us to make, and we have responsibility before our Lord to to make them. He says, the great and precious promises are given unto us that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature. It is laid before us that we will be partakers of the divine nature. The, the partaker means an associate or companion or a partner. When the child of God is obeying the word of the Lord, he in that walks with the Lord. He is an associate, a companion, a partner, a partaker, as the scripture says. If I do not obey the Lord in the scriptures, uh, am I walking with the Lord agreed? If I choose my own way regarding any subject, or you name, name the subject, name the element or point of life. If I do not agree with my Lord but do something else, am I an associate, a partaker uh, with him? That by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. That word divine is speaking of godlike or the Godhead. Will I be like Jesus today and follow him and obey him and what he's given? Or will I be like the natural man that part of me is still is, this old flesh, and walk in that way? Will I be partaker of the divine nature, an associate, a companion, if I go my own way? Will I be representative of that which is godlike or the representative of the Godhead when I seek my own and go my own way or the way of the world? Or will I, will I be a, a partaker of the divine nature uh, in obedience to the Lord, to be like Christ Jesus, to do what the Lord Jesus would do in the situation that I find myself in? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. The nature, the word nature there is speaking about a growth or germination or expansion. What is it that Jesus said? He said unto his children that it is we are called to glorify him, to glorify the Father, 
and to bear fruit to, to the glory and honor of the husbandman, Jesus being the vine and we being the branches, we are called to glorify the Lord in bringing forth much fruit and fruit that will remain. And so that, that's our calling. And so the divine nature, the godlike nature, the godlike, uh, the Godhead growth, germination, expansion, you know, the Lord has visited us. Again, this is not our idea, but it is our calling. It is our calling to be like Jesus, to represent Jesus, to speak like Jesus, to do like Jesus, to witness and testify of the Lord like Jesus would have us to do. And he says, these promises, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, the divine work and following of God, that we might be found in him, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so here, to escape the way of the world, to escape the way of the flesh. You know, you and I know this. We, we, we learned this in school. Our teachers shocked us with it, that uh, from the day that we were born, uh, from the day that we were born, and truly from the day that we were conceived, uh, all are dying. Uh, we have it every day that our skin cells die, that our our uh, our organs uh, have cells that are re uh, uh, new cells that come into being, and in different aspects with different organs and such as that. We we are continually uh, going back to the earth from whence we were formed. And he said, by knowing these promises, being a partaker of the divine nature, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through the lust of this flesh. Our bodies are dying, and there's nothing that we can do to stop that. And I praise the Lord, because that'll be the release, is when we are released from this mortal flesh and, and are ushered into the presence of our Lord for those that are saved. But, but uh, knowing these promises... And cleaving to these promises, working and operating and living in these promises from our Lord, we can be partakers of the divine nature and we will be able to escape the corruption that is in the world through the desires of men, the desires of the flesh, the, the, the carnal that we have uh, that, that is a part of us. And so the promises. Uh, this the, For this podcast, we wanna, I want to take some time to just uh, spend a little time looking into the scriptures about standing on the promises of our Lord. Standing on the promises of our Lord. Uh, the first promise I want to deal with here is uh, the promise of a long earthly life by obedience to parents. Uh, uh, maybe there's some young people that are listening to the podcast, uh, children that are listening. And I, and I want you to hear what the scripture says because this is a promise indeed. In Exodus chapter 20, as the Lord is there on Mount Sinai and Brother Moses is there uh, with him, the Lord gives this commandment. Uh, there's four commandments uh, directed to our Lord, and there's six commandments that are directed to our behavior towards one another. These are the culmination of all things uh, in life and living life, uh, uh, high 
climax bullet points of different aspects of life and things that we deal with as sinners. And in the, the latter six, there's one that is here that says this in verse number 12. Exodus 20, verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Let's read that again. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, I've been thinking as I see different obituaries and I hear of different people uh, that pass away and, and go on to the other side, go on to eternity. Uh, men and, and women that live uh, 80, 90 years, some even that live 100 years. I, I, I've been thinking because of what the scripture says that, wow, they must really have been obedient to their parents. Uh, they must have really honored their parents because of this promise that is there. Uh, I, I, I would dare say that maybe there would be some say, well, that was just the Lord giving that to Israel. And that doesn't apply to us. And, and of course, there's always exceptions because the time of our life is in the, in the hands of the Lord indeed. And, and there is foolishness that men pursue that cost them their lives. Uh, indeed, those things enter into it. But as a whole, uh, the Lord has made this promise. Uh, but, but some would say, well, no, nah, that was just for then. That was, that was just in the olden days. You know, back then uh, in that time, that, that, that was just for Israel. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Well, if that might be your thinking, that that was just for Israel, and that was just a concept for olden days and days past, not, not for our day. And, and again, I realize that there's always, we can always find exceptions to everything, but I think that this generally applies. I want you to take a look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Here we have New Testament scripture, church epistle that's given, that is relevant to us here today. And, um, and, 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 and there's no qualifier here that, that causes this to be directed only to uh, Jewish people or the nation of Israel. But this is written to a Gentile church, a very Gentile church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul writes, Our Lord inspires him to write, these are the words of our Lord, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey them. Honor them. Children, he's speaking about the young. He's speaking about the, 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 the tween. He's speaking about the teenager. He's speaking about the adult child. Um, and understand, a man, uh, the command of the Lord is for a man to leave father and mother and cleave as to his wife. Cleaving to his wife, they twain shall become one flesh, and a new household is established. And, and that household, that man, has got to determine how his household will be before the Lord. And so there is a, a breaking there of the bond as far as being under the, uh, the, the authority of a parent uh, forever. There's different cultures that are different ways also. But in our culture, we, we, we operate this way, that one family breaks from another. That's that leaving and cleaving that is manifested there. Always we need to do what the Lord gives us in our, in our homes, our families, our marriages. But he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey them. 
obey your parents in the Lord. And so a parent, uh, now this, this, this is not applies to those that would have wicked and evil parents to obey them and every wicked and evil thing that they say to do. But there is yet an honor uh, to honor them as much as can be uh, done. He says, for this is right. It's right, children, to obey your parents in the Lord. To, to, so if, so if, you're, if you're young and you're listening to my voice, God has commanded you, children, to obey your parents, especially those parents that are saved, and in right, righteous things, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. I read about that in Exodus 20, which is the first commandment with promise. And so now that promise given over there in Exodus 20, honor thy father and thy mother, and that, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that's been drawn over here into the New Testament scriptures and is made most relevant to you and me today. Writing to this Gentile church, it's not just a Jewish thing that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, to honor their parents. It's the first commandment with promise, the apostle writes. Verse 3, do so, o honor and obey your parents, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. It's sad to see a child not obeying their parents not honoring their parents. According to this promise in the Word of God, the child is shortening their life, not obeying their parents. See, children, understand that the authority of your parents is given by God, and children are under the authority, the, the rule, the leadership, the guide, uh, the command, the control of their parents. You are under such by your parents that you might learn the authority of God over you. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, and therefore the Lord has given children in his design parents that they might be instructed, that they might be corrected, that they might be taught, that they might learn. Ultimately, that they will one day become an adult that stands not before their parents, but before God. And so here, this promise, a promise of a long earthly life by obedience and honor to parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You know, I saw a youngster the other day, and their parent I was telling them over and over and over again to do something. But sadly, they would not obey. They were willful. They just continued to do what they wanted to do. They heard their parents speak. It wasn't a thing that they didn't hear the parents speak. But they heard the parents speak, but then they yet willfully, continually, continually disobeyed. Understand, children, by the promise of the Lord, don't obey, don't honor your parents, you are shortening your life. But listen, claim the promise of the Lord and be obedient, be honoring to your parent, and honor the Lord in believing his promise of a long life upon this earth by being honorable, honoring, and obeying your parents. The second promise that we want to take a look at is the promise that salvation has come to the Gentiles, or 
that word Gentiles, it means to those that are not Jewish. The promise that salvation has come to the Gentiles. A little lengthy passage here, but I believe it will be worth it. Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. Let's listen. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So the Lord has called an apostle to the Gentiles. And that's twelve apostles called in the ministry and day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were that transition team for for Israel's keys of the kingdom being removed and given to his church, manifested in his churches uh, over the earth uh, in time. But you know what? The Lord called an apostle to the Gentiles too. Uh, Not twelve, but one. We were deserving of none. But he did call uh, Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And we praise the Lord for this. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation or the responsibility, the stewardship of the grace of God, which is given to uh, me to you, word. He's got a responsibility towards the Gentiles to communicate such. Listen to what he says. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And so the Lord revealed unto Paul the, the, the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only was that salvation that was promised in the Scriptures uh, to the Jews, but it was also promised to the Gentiles. He made this known unto Paul, and he filled him with a zeal to make this known amongst the Gentiles. Parentheses. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so he says, he says, the Lord has made this known unto me, this mystery of the calling of the Gentiles too, and I, I want you to understand that I have been shown this of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. It was not made known that the Gentiles would be called. As it is now revealed, it is now under the holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. Paul was not the only one that understood that the Gentiles would be saved. But also Brother Peter, probably the toughest nut to crack amongst the apostles in that first church, and that leadership team, that transition team, uh, that the Lord made and and created in leadership in his first church and the churches that would result from that first church after the scattering. He says it's now revealed that the Gentiles, verse 6, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And so this is the mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs fellow heirs with her, with who rather, with the Jews, and be of the same body. One day we will all be gathered together unto our Lord, his nation, his church, his people. It will all be gathered together uh, to him. That body, I think that that body at the very least is a reference to the family of God. And understand that there are different aspects of that. There's the family of God and there's the church of God. Uh, they're different. Uh, they are different, uh, and we don't have time to get into that. But he said this mystery is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, re- recipients of this salvation, and and 
and uh, the the blessing of the kingdom, as we'll take a look at here uh, in in a bit, of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ Jesus by the gospel. Christ was sent to save sinners, to save His people, uh, to redeem us, and to make the atonement for us. That's the reason His title Christ is used here by the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. He has called me and he has bestowed upon me uh, this power, this grace, that I might be a minister unto you, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this great give, grace given. He says, I am nothing but I've been called that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. There is a fellowship. Sinners are reconciled unto their creator. We go from being a stranger, being unsaved, to when we are saved by the Lord, we repent, we believe, we trust in Christ. By the Spirit of God, he saves our soul. We, we are brought into the fellowship with our Creator. We are not, only, we are not just His created uh, men, women, boys, and girls, but we become His children. And to make all men see, He said, all my desire is that men see. My ministry is, my calling is that men should see what the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. He said, it's been the plan and work of God uh, in the beginning and from, from before the beginning. And now the Lord is using me to reveal this fellowship, this mystery, the, the salvation of the Lord come to the Gentiles. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The Lord's churches are going to go forth fulfilling the Great Commission, his people, his children in the churches, proclaiming his ministers, the missionaries, uh, the pastors doing the work of an evangelist, the children of the Lord testifying uh, out of his churches this manifold wisdom of God, that the Lord has brought salvation. He's made a way that salvation is brought to the Gentiles according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was his plan before the creation. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And here he touches upon the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not our faith in Christ Jesus, which we are called to have. But this is the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he has done so that a sinner and a wretch like me could be saved. What he has done, great boldness. It's not a teetering, hope-so kind of thing of a salvation that maybe a man can work. But it's what the Lord Jesus has wrought that is steadfast and sure. That his death, his burial, his resurrection is enough to appease the wrath of God for the salvation of a sinner like you and me. And praise God he has done so. According to the eternal purpose which he hath pur he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him, he is ever faithful, no error, no mistake, no sin. Verse 13, wherefore I desire 
that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. He writes to this church at Ephesus. He says, don't, don't, don't give up in the things that I suffer. Don't give up and despair in the things that I have to endure to reach you, to reach other Gentiles, because this is your glory. This is the bringing of the word of the Lord unto you that you might be redeemed and have been redeemed. It's my calling to be used up for the sake of the Lord's word, the sake of this work towards the Gentiles. And so we have this this next promise here, the promise that salvation has come to the Gentiles, uh, to the non-Jew. And what a promise, what a great and glorious promise it is. You know, if the Lord has done such a thing for us who are not Jews, isn't his love greatly manifested toward us? What, what greater way could, the, to, could the, the love and the graciousness and the mercy of the Lord be manifested to sinners? In that he called aliens. He called those that, and I'm not talking about space aliens, I'm using that in the biblical context of those that were far, far away, as the scripture says, from the commonwealth of Israel, his nation, his nation of people, his promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, were far, far away, and he has caused it and made it to where even we who were so far away can be brought into this fellowship, can be brought into this family, can be brought and rescued from our sins uh, by what Jesus Christ has done. Galatians 3.14, a very concise way of, of stating it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Uh, he spent a lot of time laying it out there. And, of course, he was talking about his ca- calling there in Ephesians 3. But in Galatians 3, he, 14, he says that the blessing of Abraham, okay, uh, the calling of Abraham, the promises of God given to Abraham, might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That's how it has come to us. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The Spirit living even within an old rotten Gentile like me. The Lord living within me, which is indeed our hope of glory. It's the hope of glory for Jews saved. And it's the blessed hope of glory in the Gentile that is saved too. Well, how does it say? Through faith. Through resting and trusting in the Lord and what he has promised. And so the promise of a long earthly life by obedient to parents. uh, Hear that. Hear that, children. Hear that promise. And then the promise that salvation has come to the Gentiles. We all need to hear that. And next, this promise here, the promise of eternal life. The promise of eternal life by our Lord. Uh, We know that we die. The cemeteries are full of folks that have have died and buried and and gone on before us. We know uh, the threat of death is ever near us. Death is certainly feared by all men, whether they admit it or not. There are many uh, that have been valiant and have had courage in facing death, but there is a fear of death for this mortal flesh. It it is in us naturally uh, to live. And here our Lord, this next promise is the promise 
that he has given us of eternal life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. The promise of life. The Lord is life. Satan is death, and sin is death, and the grave is death, and the way of man is death. But Christ Jesus is life, and he's made a promise of life. He's made a promise of life unto his children. He, the receiving, the, the salvation by the Lord Jesus that he effects upon a sinner is eternal life. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. 1 John 2, 23 through 25. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. They go together, the Father and the Son. Really the Trinity, they go together. But the, but the Holy Spirit of God uh, takes a, a back, seat and in, in notoriety. He is no less. The Spirit of God is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit of God is one of the Trinity, the great working and operation of God, but in notoriety takes a back seat to the Father and the Son. We need to understand that. And so as, as the Son, who is sent by the Father, deals with mankind, deals with us, has saved us, uh, we who are saved, as he deals with sinners and tells them the truth and brings them to conviction. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So you're not going to have one without the other. But he that acknowledgeth the Son, acknowledgeth the Son in all that he is, all that he has done, and every word that he has said, hath the Father also. They go together. Verse 24, let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And so that which we have been given, salvation and the word of God coming to us in salvation, we need that, that needs to continue in us. We need to believe and trust in that. Verse 25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. He has promised us eternal life. Uh, what, what, what blessing is there greater than to be brought to, to live forever? Eternal life. Remember what the Lord Jesus, when he came back from, from being gone, and I believe he was over on the other side of Jordan when he got word, about Lazarus dying, and he tarried. He waited uh, even a longer time, and and then he came finally, and and he's dealing with Martha as he's coming there towards the town. And it says in John eleven verse twenty five and twenty six. John eleven twenty five and twenty six. It says here, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
And so if you're, if you're under the hearing, if you're hearing this podcast, do you believe this? I pray that you would believe this with all your heart. That those that believe in Jesus, that those that receive Jesus, believe in him and his death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation of your soul, though we die, yet shall we live. Everlasting life. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I pray that you would. We who are saved, we, we claim it, don't we? We believe it. We rest in it and are assured in it about the Lord Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. He is life. and We have him and he has us. And we will live forever. We will live forever. Everlasting life. So if you're if you're hearing this podcast, you're hearing this word of God, believe in the life, the, the Lord Jesus, and the life that he alone can give. You need him. And, and we beg of you. We, we beseech you. We plead with you. Repent and believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for you, for the salvation of your soul. Faith. Faith in him and what he has done. And may may our Lord help you that you might see and hear and believe as such. So we have the promise of eternal everlasting life uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth promise that we want to take a look at here is the promise he will never leave or forsake his own. The promise he will never leave or forsake his own. In Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, he says, Let your conversation... As speaking about what we say, what we think, and what we do, what we think, what we say, what we do. Let your conversation be without covetousness, a wanting, 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 wanting what someone else has. Let your conversation be without covetousness, covetousness and be content with such things as you have, contentment with the Lord's provision. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me and so the promise of our Lord that he will never leave us or forsake us he'll never leave he, he will not the, the good gifts that the scripture speaks about they come from the Father, Father of lights. Listen to the words there. I don't have this passage looked up. But the good gifts, every good, good and perfect gifts come good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow, neither neither variableness of turning. He, he does not turn away from his own. There'll never be the shadow of the back of the Lord upon his people eternally oh he may chastise us he, he he may deal with us harshly in our sin and our presumptuousness but he'll never leave us even in chastisement his hand is upon us and even in chastisement for the child of god he has not forsaken us but he is working on us um, if need be as the scripture says that the flesh be destroyed and the the spirit and the soul be saved and be brought to him, he will never leave nor forsake us. And that, that makes it, as, as the writer says, and the scripture says, so that we may boldly say that, that 
what the Lord has said, his promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that makes it to where we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He's always there. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. I'll not fear what this earth will do unto me. I will not fear what uh, circumstance would do unto me. The Lord will never leave me, and he'll never forsake me. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll never leave or forsake his children. And that gives us boldness in this promise of the Lord. See, uh, the, the passage, our text passage, spoke about the great and precious, exceeding great and precious promises uh, whereby we can be partakers of the divine nature. Uh, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. And so we see here the promise of the Lord gives us boldness that we may line up with the Lord. We might line up with the Godhead in our action and our thinking. The fifth promise that we want to take a look at is the promise nothing nor anyone can separate us from our Lord's love. The promise that nothing nor anyone can separate us from our Lord's love. In Romans chapter 8, uh, verse number 31, Romans 8, 31, we see here uh, what the scripture says. In Romans 8, verse number 31, what shall we say to these things? Uh, the work of the Lord in bringing us to salvation, the assurance of the Lord working as he has done to bring us his word and bring us conviction and show us the truth and open our eyes. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so here, the Apostle Paul, he, he declares unto us, if God is for us, who is there that can be against us? If our Lord God is for us, who? Who can be against us? Who can stand up to him? Who can stand up and defeat the strong man? Who can stand up and, and say to God, what are you doing? Uh, get out of here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meddle and deal and, 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 and take over your children. I'm going to enslave and, and bring them into bondage. None. None can. If God be for us, who can be against us? What man on this earth can be against us? And, and can exceed the power of our Lord, the, exceed uh, the, 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 the effect and the impact uh, of our Lord upon us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And, and we always need to remember that God is for us, and he is always looking at the biggest picture, the eternal picture. And that's the picture that you and I need to see. We're very much tempted to see the carnal picture and the picture of this world. And it's a very real thing to us. All we have ever known is living here on this earth. But our Lord sees the big picture. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And he, and he brings this evidence. He didn't spare his son. He delivered him up for us all. What else that is there that he would withhold? from us if he gave the most precious one to uh, for our sakes he that spared not his own son but delivered him up uh, up for us all how shall he not with him with jesus also freely give us all things he gave him for us 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse number 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who, who can do so? It is God that justifieth. He's made us just as if we've never sinned through the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who can lay, who can lay a, a sin, an iniquity, a wickedness that would jeopardize us, jeopardize us in regards to eternity? Who can charge God's people, God's elect? those that he chose from before the foundation of the world to bring into salvation. Who can lay anything to them? It's the Lord is the one that has worked and, and done this and made them his people. He's justified us. Who, who can stand at the bar of God and make any case stick? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Who, who is he that can bring the children of God into damnation and condemnation or damnation because of sin and iniquity? It is Christ that died to pay the price. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Christ fulfilled his gospel that that condemnation would be lifted. And Romans speaks to us much about that, that there is, there is now no condemnation to those that be in Christ. Who can condemn? Who can, who can damn with, with a penalty for sin and, and judgment eternally? Christ died. He, rather, he rose again. He's living. He's living and fulfilling his gospel, and he imparts that life unto us, who isn't even at the right hand of God, which that signifies the completion of salvation. The sitting of the Lord Jesus at the right hand of the Father it is telltale, it is a confirmation, the greatest confirmation that he has fulfilled the salvation mission that the Father gave him to do, who also maketh intercession for us. And so the gospel is fulfilled, and, and, and the salvation of the Lord's children is complete in regards to the atonement being made in that. The next step for the Lord Jesus Christ is to be there interceding. Our great high priest interceding for those saints that are and will be. He's continually interceding with the Father for us. So this promise that nothing or anyone can separate us from his love. It goes on to say, who, who, as we read there in verse 34, who is he that condemneth? As, as I mentioned earlier in Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, capital S, after the Spirit of God that lives within them. Who can condemn? It is the Lord Jesus that has taken away that condemnation. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so now, speaking of God, more so in the Father sense, okay, speaking about Christ and what he has done for his people, and now it transitions, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, the one that did these things for us? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution or famine, a lack of food, or nakedness, a lack of clothing, or peril? peril coming from all different directions, 
sword, the, the, those that would wage war and be the enemies of the Lord's people? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And, and this is a, a parenthetical, a, a, a thought, a side thought related, a clarification thought that is here interjected. Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Uh, th this is as if it's in parentheses. Uh, it's to say, as, as to say, well, this is the common lot of the follower of Jesus Christ that were killed all the day long. So many things that the children of God have suffered, do suffer, and will suffer. Shall any of these things, even such great suffering, separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 37, nay, no, in all these things, even in this, if slaughter uh, would come upon us, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How is it that we conquer? We will live forever. And we will be brought to him, as we'll see. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And hang on to that, things to come. Think on, think on that, things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is, who can condemn? It's Christ that died. He's pleasing with, to the Father. He's fulfilled what the Father has given him to do. He's right there at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And nothing shall separate us from the love of God Almighty that we, we have that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So uh, another promise, a great and precious promise, a, an exceeding great and precious promise. This exceeding is it's just, there's nothing to compare with it. Another exceeding and great and precious promise of our Lord that, he, that nothing can separate us from his love. And then next, the promise that he will provide for us. And again, this is kind of lengthy, but it's appropriate and and in this situation, we've got time, so, so bear, bear patient and hear about these promises. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 25 through 34, the promise he will provide for us in one way, in one fashion, one fashion, one way or another, he will provide for us. He will provide for us the necessity of life, or he will provide for us the grace and the help the strength, the courage, uh, the comfort that we need. In Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, Therefore I say unto you, the Lord Jesus tells us, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Who, who of us can add a foot and a half to our height? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles the world seeks. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Have need of all these things. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no, therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And so the Lord tells us in this not to be anxious. Understand that the Lord in, in the model prayer, he, he, he directs us to pray and give us this day our daily bread. Understand that this passage is not a call to socialism or to, or to do nothingness. It, it, that, that's not the point. The, the taking no thought. The Lord is saying here, don't be anxious and don't be overwrought with the normal things that we need of life. We are to work. Again, we've got to look at all these things in balance of the scriptures. We do need to work. We do need to plan. We do need to pursue. But none of that needs to consume our thinking and our life. You know, in this day, we have a, a very great thing that people are looking to themselves and only to themselves. Where I trust the children of God are looking to the Lord and going shopping for the things that we need, asking the Lord to help and provide in the things that are needed. We, we do have to work and we do have to pursue, but we don't need to be anxious about it. and We don't need to be consumed with it. We don't need to be apathetic about it and ambivalent, but we need to always first and foremost go to our Lord for that which we need. The command is seek the kingdom of God first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek that first. Our witness, our conversation, seasoned with grace, and, and, and our, our representation of the Lord before this lost and dying world. Uh, that needs to be what we do first. As we do all these things of life. Uh, you, do you grow a garden? Grow a garden. But ask the Lord to bless it. Do you need wisdom about doing such? Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. But don't be fretting about whether it's going to make or not. Because the Lord knows we need to eat. As an example. And with this garden example. Uh, don't be fretting about it. But do pursue asking the Lord's blessing and help, and he will provide. Live today, and don't be anxious and fretting about tomorrow, because the only promise that we have is this minute in which we live now. So the promise he will provide for his own. Next, another promise is a promise of rewards for obedience to him. In James chapter 1, verse number 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, 
which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, rewards is a whole subject unto itself, and not too long ago I preached a message about rewards and uh, relative to the design and working of God. We, we don't come to the Lord and serve the Lord and walk with the Lord because of rewards, but we do know from the scripture that he will reward uh, us for obedience to him, and that's part of the, the, the blessing that the Lord is, the fullness of the Lord, is that uh, he does give rewards unto his faithful children. And then there's the promise he will bring us to himself. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, the promise he will bring us to himself. Again, great and exceeding precious promises, exceeding great and precious promises that he has given unto us. He says in John 14, verses 1 through 4, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And so we have this promise of our Lord. He said, don't let our hearts be troubled. Believe in him. Uh, we believe in God Almighty. We need to believe also in him and rest in him. And that's how we're saved. We need to continue to believe and rest in him. There are many places to live in his father's house. And he has told us so. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he has done so, he indeed will come to get us again. Because he, he leaves us a promise. We have a, a sure, enduring promise that he will bring us to himself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And where he has gone, we're separated from him physically presently. Whether And whether I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. And, and how is that? Well, he is the way. He is the way indeed. And then lastly, uh, in this list of promises, the promise we will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth. We've been given everlasting life, and how will it be to live eternally? Well, there will be some things here on the earth that our Lord will have for us to do for, for some time. But then after that, uh, we'll go on to this, as it says in James chapter 2, verse number 5. The promise we will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth. James 2, verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, faith in him, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? It's what he's done. He's chosen the poor of this world and made us rich in faith in him and made us heirs of the kingdom that he's promised to us. Oh, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. And a great, exceeding great and precious promise that he will give us the kingdom. Look here in Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 13. 2 Peter 3, verse number 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Oh, in the new heaven and the new earth, there won't be the taint of sin. 
of this whole earth has been corrupted by sin and iniquity of men. But there in that new heaven and new earth, there won't even be the taint of sin. In the new heaven and the new earth, there won't be like it will be through the millennial reign, uh, putting up with the, the wicked and the unbelieving and the unrepentant as we will have to do so for a thousand years. Oh, our, our new, our nature, our, our new bodies and, and putting off this flesh and putting on immortality as our Lord has promised us, uh, we'll be impervious to their sin, but it, no doubt it will, it will grieve us to some extent. We, will be, we won't be affected by it as that, in that we will be tempted to sin. We will not be tempted to sin in that day, having our bodies like Christ. But, but it will be at hand. But in the new heaven and the new earth, we'll live forever with him. And there wherein dwells righteousness. Righteousness will be forevermore. Exceeding great and precious promises given to us. By these promises, we can be partaker of the divine, the godlike growth, germination, and expansion. Walking with our Lord being involved in his work and his pursuit uh, and, and his uh, will and that, being a part of that, being brought into it. Uh, children, remember the promise of a long earthly life by obedience to parents. Remember the promise that salvation has come to the Gentiles, the non-Jew. The promise, the great and exceeding precious promise of eternal life. The promise he will never leave or forsake uh, his own. The promise that not, nothing uh, nor anyone can separate us from his love. The promise that he will provide for us and will knows the things that we need. And we, we need to go to him for blessing of the things that we pursue and do in living life. And always, always represent him. The promise of rewards for obedience to him. The promise he will bring us ultimately to himself. The promise that he will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth. In conclusion, the connection, the application, standing on the promises of our Lord. There are many, many, many more than what we've addressed in this podcast. One more promise for the, for the saved, for the redeemed, that I want us to touch on in, in, in closing out this message is the promise that we will be like him. A promise that we will be like him. Romans 8, verse 28 through 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Are you a child of God? Well, even these things in these days are for our good. You know what they do for us? They, at the very least, I trust and pray for you. They bring us closer to the Lord. That's what trial does. Trial tests our faith in him, as we've declared recently. And all things work together for, to good for them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, fashioned like unto the image of his Son. And that's our destination. That, that is... That is our destination, ordained by God, that we will be fashioned like unto the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Our elder brother, we will be brought to be like him. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, 
and this working of God, God's side and his working here is listed out that we might have confidence that he will bring us uh, to this end. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And he has called us, hadn't he? And whom he called, them he also justified. We know by Jesus' righteousness we've been justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. We will be glorified. We will be fashioned like unto the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a promise. What a promise that we will be like him. Brother John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, exceeding great and precious promises. And by these, we can be now partakers of the divine nature. Verse number 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So a grand, glorious promise that one day we will be like him. But there's another promise that I want us to touch on before we close, and that's the promise to the unbelieving, a promise of judgment, a promise of eternal damnation by the Lord for the unrepentant and the unbelieving. And uh, here in Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord is speaking to those who are saved and, and those that are his children and the responsibility and the, the, uh, the fear that we are to have before the Lord in our walk and our obedience to him, the command of his word. But understanding here that in, in this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 through 29, we see and hear something uh, that is applicable to all men. And, and, and again, the context is, is he's speaking to his children, but there is a principle that is here that applies even to the unbelieving, to the unrepentant and the unbelieving. Hebrews 12, verse number 25, See that ye refuse him not that speaketh. And through the Lord's word he has spoken. In the beginning of this book he's spoken to us through his Son in these days. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, speaking of God on Mount Sinai, speaking about Christ who has spoken to us now, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from, the, from him that speaketh from heaven? And again, we've talked about the Lord Jesus. And so God was on Mount Sinai speaking. Jesus came to the earth and, and spoken to us uh, in his word. And now God speaks to us from heaven again through his word. All these things, I believe, are wrapped up there. But if you're here and you're under the hearing of, of my voice and this message, don't refuse him that speaketh. And he says, For if they escape not who refuse him who spake on earth, God on Mount Sinai, Jesus on the earth in the time of his ministry, much more shall we, not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And that's what's happening now. The Lord is speaking from heaven. 
whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, and that shaken the earth is the great quaking of Mount Sinai. And there was a great quaking at Calvary when the Lord said it is finished and yielded up the ghost. And, and, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain, and at his resurrection a great shaking, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Understand. Unsafe sinner friend, the Lord is coming in judgment. And when he shakes the earth again, it will shake not only the earth, but it will shake also heaven. It'll be a shaking like has never been. And understand, you are not prepared for that. You are not prepared to leave out of this life. Don't refuse him that speaketh. Don't turn away from him that speaks from heaven, because his judgment is coming. See that you refuse him not with, uh, that speaketh, verse 25, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not, not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know what the things, the only thing that cannot be shaken and that will remain is the salvation of the sinner's soul by the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because all of this earth and all of mankind and his carnality and sin and iniquity and wickedness and desire, the working of Satan, it will be shaken apart. The salvation in our Lord, salvation by our Lord, his gospel, his promises will never be shaken. Verse 28, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And that's a fearfulness to the children of God. Uh, we know and have a promise our Lord will not consume us and he will not destroy us because Christ has died for us and saved us, paid our sin debt. But he will refine us for, for the, the unbelieving and the unrepentant sinner. For the unbelieving and the unrepentant sinner, they will be consumed by the fire of the glory of God and hell and the lake of fire forever place of his judgment eternally promises promises from our lord great and exceeding precious promises oh again if you're not saved we point you to christ and we pray that by him you would be able to claim the great and exceeding precious promises i'm glad you've tuned into the podcast and let's close with the word of prayer father we thank you for this time we thank you for your word we thank you for the exceeding great and precious promises that you have given unto us. And Father, may we know them. May we look and delve into your word to see them and to understand them and to claim them and to rest in them. Promises from you that will never, never fail. And we pray, Father, that you would help any that are listening that are not saved, that you would bring your truth and your word. Father, you'd shine the light 
and, and open their eyes and open their hearts and their ears to the truth of their sin, the truth of the need of the Savior, Father, that you would save. And we pray, Father, you'd help us as your children to rest in your promises, to rest in you, to be a partaker of the divine nature and, and walk in your work and walk in the things that you are doing and be used of you, instruments in your hands for your pleasure until the day you take us from this place. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us first. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. And amen. Well, I want to thank you for listening in, and I look forward to our time together again on the Wonderful Words of Life podcast.